case I don't finish my, you'll finish yours. Poppin' tabs. Welcome to the Unorthodox Film Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, last week, we, uh, Joseph and I, first of all, I guess, uh, introduce ourselves. I'm Bradford, uh, the host here at uh, um, Unorthodox Film Podcast with my co-host here. I'm joined w- uh, by Joseph Quick. Joseph Sheldon Quick. Joe Quick to Joe my friends. Magic. How you doing? Joe Magic to the ones who know. About the magic. About the magic. <laughs> I, I definitely want to bring him up. Uh, yeah, we got to get Kamal in here. I'm excited to be working with him coming up this weekend. You'll oh, this too. weekend? Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's on uh, he, Renika's thing? He's AD. Oh, that's yeah. super exciting. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I, I'm, I'm super excited to hear that. Um, I don't know what the name of the project is called. I got to contact Renika about um, confirming, but uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. I know. I read the script, but I'm not, no spoilers here. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's not what we're here about. What are we here about? Well, we're here to talk about, uh, last week we said Little Monsters won the 10 Little toss. Monsters. So last week we talked about uh, films that, the fi- five films that we'd recommend that were inspirational to us growing up. The, the five films that accentuate what became our love of cinema and, um, as we spoke, a lot of it uh, geared us towards working in film industry. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. And this week we're doing um, five films that revolve around academia that we think are... Representative Have of, to be seen. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, 100%. Because I think we both come at our list differently, which, mm-hmm. is, which is what's fun about it. But yeah, so we're going we're gonna to talk about our five films for academia. It's and not, so these are films top, that are not favorite films where the plot or main character, uh, is focused around a university or a school of some sort. Um, whether it's, uh, it follows the main character or whether the plot itself generally takes place in a school, um, are, are the, the approaches that I took in my, in my search. Yeah. My search was just as long as the school was affiliated in more than just like a, passerby kind of said had to be like a character in the movie or a plot device like you know or more than 50 percent of it filmed at the school okay okay but before we get into that uh the film that got randomly selected last week was little monsters so we did sit down and take a rewatch at that now i think it was a much more of a fresh look for me than it was for you, correct? Yeah, I mean, I own it on Blu-ray. I've loved that movie since I was ten years old. You know, um, I actually was younger than ten when I saw it. It came out when I was seven, so I mean, I'm not sure I saw it in theaters or anything. But so this wasn't. I remember uh, it before I was ten. I know that I've watched it throughout my life just because I enjoy that. You know, just one of the lines in it just thrills me. And it's just, it's complete, unadulterated anarchy. Like, and you said that as clearly as the actor did the first time. When I heard that line, I was like, what, 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 what? And I was like, then I thought about it. I was like, no, that, that's, that's a tongue twister. So it was definitely not a, uh, it, uh, uh, 
it was a fresh watch for me. It wasn't something I was super familiar with. So it was very refreshing for yeah, me. My five year old daughter has seen it, loves it. So we watched it like two or three weeks ago. Just so um, you couldn't have walked away thinking any differently about it than if you've only watched it a few weeks ago. So I'm sure you weren't moved in a way that, that changed you. They didn't, nothing changed my mind about the movie, but when we watched, I did watch it in a different way, like a, a slightly different mindset. I wasn't watching it from a nostalgia standpoint or sharing it with my child mm-hmm. from a, a parent standpoint. I was really looking at it as like a filmmaker and like trying to find things that maybe I overlooked because of nostalgia, mm-hmm. things like that. So uh, for those who haven't seen it, Little Monsters revolves around a family who has just moved into a new home. Um, mother and father are not on best of terms. The new move puts dad two hours from work, so he's got to go uh, drive there and back. Um, so there's stress in the household, and amongst that, um, there's a monster under the bed, and as monsters do, he does some fuckery and gets the children in trouble, and that kind of sets off the initial uh, conflict of the film. Uh, the lead, Brian, played by Fred Savage, is then befriended by um, Maurice, played by Harry Mandel. Yes. And uh, Maurice sucks him down into the under-the-bed land, which, as Joe described last week, is is incredibly fabulous. It was uh, very enjoyable on this last wash to really it's take in the It's a parallel universe back. right underneath. And, mm-hmm. like, and you watch the movie as they describe it, like, yeah, the set deck's amazing, but when you're, like, watching the movie, learning the rules about this, like, they're under, and he's he, you, like, jog and go from New York to, you know, yeah. to Chicago. and The like, world was all connected underneath by me. Yeah, he says, times how, Maurice says many and, times, it's magic, it's magic. So if you ever had any question about anything, you just have to remember, oh, it's magic. Yeah, but it's just interesting the way they do it, because it's... it's it's still relatable. It's not a stretch of your imagination, even mm-hmm. though you're thinking it's magic. I noticed that a lot of the months, a lot. So there were definitely a lot of extras, uh, background, um, dressed as monsters. And 95% of them were children. Yeah. And like, yeah, all, like any kid that was in that movie at one point was dressed as a monster. Not one of the like main monsters that had lines or anything, but even Ben Savage, you see him in the uh the break ball game or monster ball that they call it where they yep. they're play, basically playing ba- playing baseball. Monster, monster ball. Yeah. They're playing baseball but you hit it into Just fragile things. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Breaking glass it's and vases and two minutes of but glass. But you see shatter. Ben Savage I dressed up it. as a monster like three times because Really, they just filmed all these kids playing baseball, and whoever got the best hits made the movie. And, you, and this little five-year-old was crushing. I, I wish I would have known which one that was. So he was one of the highlighted ones. That's something I've Not, picked up throughout no my kidding. years of watching. I'm just like, yeah, because yeah. I was going to say they could definitely recycle a lot of the actors. Because uh, while I'm sure the makeup and um, costuming on them were a hundred percent. Because of the fact that monsters yep. live in a lightless world, uh, everything was under shadow. So the uh, the amazing de- there was a lot of amazing detail that I'm sure the art department put in that didn't really get seen. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like even as an adult, it took me really studying. Like I'm sure I realized it before today, but today when I watched it with you, I was like, "That's fucking Ben said." Like that's the little kid oh, so playing it was baseball. Really just connecting with you. Yeah, like because yeah. I was seriously watching in a mm-hmm. different way. Like I was like, "Oh, these are." 
Like you I saw knew, the jokes, I, you saw yeah, the and I gags. knew the kids had. I'd even read an article or something about it, or just something about it online. Probably not an article. I don't know. Well, it just makes sense that with the that kids, level of yeah, the crossover disguise of, to yeah. just recycle people that are there. But the lead kid, the or the little you I wouldn't know, call him the lead kid. Yeah, Fred Savage is the lead one, but the secondary main character, sure. aside from Maurice, is his little brother. You know, very mm. recognizable. You know, I'm, but you you almost can't tell the way they shoot it. I didn't. I, I mean, now I'd be looking for it, so I'd probably see right. it. So uh, with me coming in with uh, pretty much fresh eyes, um, I imagine the last time I watched it, I, I, I think about it was with you, but it was probably eight or nine years ago. So it's, it's still been a long while. Um, I enjoyed it. It's something that I don't think I could recommend to adults heavily, but that wasn't the intent for it. Um, but I could recommend it, like if you could watch it with uh, a, si- a younger sibling or um, your own child, or uh, if, if you can watch it with someone in that 8 to 11 area, I think you could then put yourself in that mind and forgive some of the things that, that were less forgiving for me, right. um, being nitpicky. Um, I think one of, the th- one of the things that I think is super charming about it, um, but probably hurts it as far as uh, introducing it to a younger generation from today is how dated it is in, um, you know, because it was in the 80s. So it's like the technology was different. The yeah, toys 1989. Were different. Yeah. Designs were different. So, you know, it is definitely a movie of its era. Uh, but something that you pointed out in watching this, um, there was something else represented from that era that was really charming to me. And that was all the little Gadgets it's my crap. favorite thing about 80s childhood movies is that they're always building these gadgets and contraptions that are like in the way of the home or household being properly functional and nobody ever addresses it. It's like just like in the Goonies where the whole front yard, like the gate doesn't work properly unless you make a chicken lay an egg. Like right. <laughs> the, the parents are just okay with this. Like, And they don't really, like you see Fred Savage's character do that, but you don't really know the character enough to understand it. I think the... The well, they they do brush on like he's he's very science minded mm-hmm. and he was doing good in school but the whole family picked up and moved and then his parents are going through a separation right. and he knows that means divorce because he's seen it happen to his friends and he's so he's acting out and his grades are slipping right and but the way that they featured it uh, you know introducing his room they they had close ups directly on these weird gadgetry. The first gears shot of his room, yeah. Like his alarm so you knew clock that it would is come like into play. fixed to the wall so that like when it goes off the blinds come up or something crazy. I honestly was surprised how early that came up because it was only a few scenes after the introduction of there being a monster under the bed that all of a sudden now he's crafting. A lot of times that's like tail yeah. end of the second act or beginning of the third right. act where it's like it just escalated. You know, and like here's the climax automatically Cutting the legs off the bed in his brother's room and scattering like, Doritos out of his broken bike all over that the dad ran over. Uh, obvious product placement from the uh, 80s. The yeah. presence Classic of Doritos, Doritos and the way bag. that yeah. uh, um, Daniel Stern was holding the Lay's bag when he was eating out of it. It was torn open yeah. specifically so you could still <laughs> read the so label. Yeah. Uh, we all know that you reach your bag, your hand in one of those bags, and they just slide, slice down the middle for some reason, just open. But nope, his was. Clearly a Lay's bag held up against his chest directly to the camera. You could see it. Yep. Perfect. But they needed that budget because uh, the sets were so elaborate. Now, uh, another thing I was looking for, and um, 
you may or may not have noticed it this time, but I don't believe there were as many sets as you might think there are. There was definitely that one main alleyway that was used with the... Yeah, and they were moving pieces around yeah. to make it look different. And then, then for there the, were small the little corners all, all that they would do like uh, yeah, specific any shots on. Grand, but... Any grand wide shot of the parallel dimension, the fantasy world, mm-hmm. if you will, under the bed... That was all matte paintings, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. And then, like, you'd see the kids on the stairs, but that's just like it's just blue screen, like they do. Well, green so screen now, that's the so. stairs definitely looked pretty real to the me. The stairs but were real. The, the kids were real. Didn't look strong enough, so I was like, there has to be something underneath that to support the way and to right. hide that. They had to put a mat in front of that mm-hmm. to give it the depth of Precisely. eternity. Yeah. Um. What um. What are your thoughts on its longevity? Is this something that you think would uh, be appealing to? To, I mean, I think as you pointed out, it's not as appealing to the younger generation because there's no like gadgetry or anything like that. Like, there's no video games and stuff. But I don't know. Like, I know that like for family relatability as a parent, like I love it for different reasons now. Cause mm-hmm. the, the story going on with the parents, they're super funny. They're super real life about it. Like, but it's also very casual and like, not even like a third plot. It's just there. Cause that's what life is. It's just there. It's well done. So one of the elements that I, I think will hold up its longevity is I thought the performances were pretty, the performance is really yeah i think um like maurice i think is great for for the younger kids but i think there's an age that's uh, Mendo's that a little it, over the top where his delivery sometimes is, is, is a bit but he's still one of the more enjoyable characters him and fred savage i think fred savage did an impressive job i thought the mother was pretty wooden i thought daniel Stern was surprisingly um unenergetic i think that just wasn't the role well, for he was him. playing the tired dad yeah, I don't know. It didn't. It just yeah. didn't land for me. And I, it was. I think it was probably poor direction. I don't think it has anything to do with be. the cast. Yeah. Um. I think they probably rushed through everything there at that house in fewer days so that they could spend more of the production schedule. It was directed by Richard Allen Greenberg. I'm not familiar with uh, what else he's done. What else has he done there? I, I'm not I sure. Just, I don't think this was. This was. I don't think this was done uh, from a director's standpoint. With much passion. I thought the editing was pretty neat. There was one sequence. Um, I think it was our first visit into the underworld. Well, the editing was glorious. The practical and effects. Of yeah. The effects there was and... uh, a sequence where Maurice's character, they were kind of, he was doing the tour, right? And they were moving around some places. I think it was, uh, oh, I know it was when he, when he took him on the job with them. You're going to love it down here, bud. When uh, he took him on the job with them, it, we kind of moved through time. So the camera, how we would move past the camera, left or right, and the the framing and the editing made it look like he was spiraling through the screen, but it was so seamless um, that I I took notice of that. That was actually really, really cool. They did some really cool stuff with that, yeah. And there was really an interesting marriage because... There's, it's all practical effects for the most part. Yes. But there is that, that slight marriage of like the little sparkly fairy wispies of light coming mm-hmm. through. That's obviously computers, right? Mm-hmm. That didn't, but it's on the mat. It's on the part. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's something that like nowadays we would take for granted, but back then was revolutionary. Yeah. Like 
Oh, I definitely think that it represents um, a, a, a high effort in children's movies. You know, um, I, I don't think it, it was a miss at all. I think if I recall the IMDb reading on it was like 6.6 or 5.6 or something like that. I think it is better than that from a child's perspective. I just don't know whether or not the interest of the modern I mean, if you look at youth, the true, yeah, the interest of modern youth, that was uh, the point I was backing up. But I still think, like, like as a parent with children, like you watch it, it's going to have that lasting family power. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's 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 also going to have that re- relatability of the universal feeling that kids have when they go through those kinds of emotions and those friendships. Because, like, if a, if a kid's going through something where their whole life is upended like this Brian right. kid, Fred Savage's character was, movie he does had have no a dark friends. Undertones. It does, and it goes. It gets real dark towards the end. Mm-hmm. Like, toys start attacking, and but watch oh, the, for yourself. Let's the, not judge. The combat sequence was phenomenally fun. Let's, let's, no spoilers. I think what it but, does have going for it, one of the things that's a, a strength for it, um, talking about the content that children see today is so heavily derived from computer generation that the way that it goes about it with no computers is impressive. It's so impressive. And if dude, they, like, it, so like, it's so like, I think about thing. when Just someone tried adult, to show me a black and white. Even if you're not a kid, how could you not be impressed with the puppetry there? When, like when, when the monster sinks through the floor and then the clothes become an extension of the them, monster the, visual the puppetry of were the amazing. empty clothes, you oh, know, yeah. Especially oh, yeah. when did like a whole room of them, mm-hmm. and like they're running through the underground, just, just yep. hitting them with spotlights, and they're just boom, 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 and they're all moving and squiggling and mm-hmm. screaming and smoking, like that's pyrotechnics, puppets, Trap robots, doors. all that stuff working together in mm-hmm. unison. That's beautiful. That's like as filmmakers, that's what we strive to be part of. Mm-hmm. I don't care what department you're in, you. You want to work with other departments more closely. You want to get yeah. into those crossover moments. Yeah, I, I definitely imagine that a film like that had a lot of cohesion between departments. It had to. Um, it wasn't the era where a lot of things weren't actually going to theater and were going straight to like was that a home video. It did have a theatrical release, but you know the budget was, it says here, like uh, four and a half, five million. But in theaters, it says box office just under 800K. Oh, okay. So definitely box office flop, but I think it was more marketed for home video. Right. That would definitely have. I don't see the VHS sales here, but. Yeah, and plus uh, rentals. I, yeah, rentals. I'm sure it definitely made it back with that and HBO and, and you know. All uh, that, because I know I had that on VHS. Mm-hmm. and. I love that movie. I wore it out. It got bought for me several times, and I bought it for myself as an adult. Yeah, I'm really surprised that I didn't know about that movie until adulthood. Like, it wasn't one that I knew about and just didn't get a chance to see. I legitimately didn't know about it until the first time it was shown to me, and I'm fairly 100% certain that you were the one who showed it to me. So it means I've seen it only in the last 15 years. Yeah, I believe when I finally found it on Mm Blu-ray, I was like, Brad, you got to see this. Um. Were were there any other topics uh, that you wanted to go over uh, with Little Monster? Um, well, when we were watching the credits, as we do, um, we noticed, and you pointed out, how small the G&E crew. Cause this the G&E is crew a really massive, only had like seven people. It was a massive crew, but most of it was puppets. 
construction. The construction, construction list yeah, was pretty huge. long. So the editing team was large. I think the reason the G&E crew was so small is because the project was so large, the time it took. The G&E crew didn't need to be large. Mm-hmm. They had to wait for construction to be done. They could move in. Because like when I did the Dr. Nandy show, right. there were three lighting guys mm-hmm. for that whole thing. But there's a hundred lights up, but they did it in two weeks. And you know the style of shooting wasn't so dynamic. It's all from a board next to the director. Right. The, the The style of shooting wasn't so dynamic that even adjustments for camera movements weren't going to be super complicated. No, that had, it was most all of planned it was out. Yeah. They knew where the camera was going to be. They most built of the time the scenes were built to, on simple to match like there was those compositions. the beautiful wide shots when they had the whole set there, and then when they were doing just smaller set pieces, then it was just medium wides, and most of the dialogue was just done with. Lockdown, uh, medium to you know medium close-ups, and um, the fun camera work was in the antics, the montages, um, the the battle sequences. Oh yeah, they, the 80s montage. They did. I, there must have been five in that movie. I didn't count, but it they, was a lot. They stacked them. They stacked them. Um, one of the last things I'd like to say about it was how uh, incredibly charming the score was. I really did enjoy it. Um, it was very '80s family movie. Like I, many of the movies growing up that I had seen had that similar style to it. Um, it was what I call like a hand holding score. The music told you what you were supposed to uh, supposed to. Yeah, ex- even expect. they did when bring they were playing in pop Monster music. Ball and yeah. the ball got away. The music immediately changed. So even though you know he knew was, the game was over and he knew something, you, you saw the so the the framing was a, a, a ultra wide of overhead of him chasing it under the stairs and looking for it. But the music immediately went doom and gloom. And and this is when they first introduced, introduced Boy, Boy and the, the bad guy. Yeah, the yep. villain. Now, Snick, you had, you had seen before, but now yes. you know whose henchman he is. And right. He becomes more present after that, not just this looming threat that is maybe there or not. Right. You know, he was just like a wandering bully. Now you see he's a henchman. Um, it wasn't super dynamic of a score. It's not something that I think would be album worthy, but it it did give me that for me a nostalgia because, like I said, it related it to that style. But you know, it's the uh, light strings, violins, and, and not orchestral, just probably four piece altogether. Because you you hear some chimes and yeah. a little bit of well, keys I mean, and. The... and Everything was more. Uh, it takes me back to the credits, watching like the the people doing foley and ADR and the, the oh yeah the after sound crew and the yeah the composers that were involved. Yeah, there was it was a big undertaking. You know what I mean? Like it, these people knew what they were doing. They had they came in with a plan, and uh, you can't have those grand sets and these grand things. Mm-hmm. And not have them connected with the sounds that inspire those emotions. So one thing I kept thinking about while watching, and it was uh, it's a bit tan- tangential, but I know that Howie Mandel is really weird about being touched. Germaphobe. Or, and yeah. Stuff, yeah. I don't know if he was like that back then. Okay. I, know, I know he always had it slightly, but I think Cause that's a it got worse as time goes on. and. You he know, was full on covered in makeup. It, yeah, I've always wondered that myself. But yeah, I mean, it was 1989. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He was he Hardly was nobody. Yeah. If if I wasn't told that was Howie Mandel, I would not. Re- even 
all the way through watching. Yes, there were some line deliveries I could hear his tone and voice, but because this is pre Bobby's world, yeah, you know because of I mean? his youth, his voice wasn't recognizable, and his face certainly wasn't. I, I, I don't know. I think he did always have some sort of predisposition to, to that. I don't, I don't know. Personally, well, if he I'm, did, I'm if he had any of it, then like you that. just have to think about the, I think the kudos it got worse that he as gets for, for yeah. being able to tolerate that um, in the costume. Like all that makeup, yeah. And the one time, like when his character grows horns, they had the, mm-hmm. the bladders that on his head. That effect was so cool. His acting, the way he did the, you, well, it wasn't you know that, they it was, had to rehearse that. Because it was that. practical. Yeah, I was going to say, the timing that he had with the grip team doing that was uh, phenomenal because... Or the effects team, whoever. Whomever yeah. was, yeah. It who- was so well done. All of it. Like when he sunk through the floor, the melting into clothes mm-hmm. and just, yeah. His engagement in the character was phenomenal. His delivery was, for me, a little bit over the top. But at the same time, this is why I say it's well, better was for was it its- over the top or was everyone else too flat for you? You got to be. <laughs> well, everyone else was too flat. He was he supposed was- to be over the top. He was a punk This is what I'm monster. saying. I think that's like. If he had delivered it differently, it might have changed the parameter of the audience that they would be for. Like, I just think his his decisions yeah, made in acting leaves it to where after a certain age, the movie his character will no longer appeal to people. Anybody who knows me and hasn't seen this movie, watches this movie, they're going to go, okay, yeah, we understand why Joe likes this. This monster yeah, has a, little, a mohawk. A little over the top He's, sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I thought about yeah, that. Like, but. There's so much in common, and I was huge into science when I was a younger man. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just related to that movie in so many ways. Because the main Did you ever saw the legs the off your parents' bed? No, but I did weird shit. Was like I was always building something strange. Nothing to these fantastical. But where did I get the ideas? You know. But you know, like, it's crazy that the mother's like, "Oh yeah, no, he's for some reason upstairs." Call my the legs dad. Off our beds. You can call my dad right now, and if he were up, because he's old, he's probably up. But anyway, if you called him right now, I just talked to him about it last week. He was like, "What?" When I was like nine, ten, eleven, I was just taking lumber and nails out into the woods and, and just like building tree them. forts or tunnels yeah. and ramps and yeah like it's and nice so, to know that that actually exists and it's it, not just a thing in movies and he he said that like sometimes i was taking like new lumber he bought for a job like i wasn't just taking scraps oh wait you were doing these things not him yeah oh, i was going okay. out, like just taking his stuff from the garage out into the woods to build stuff not with him so he's uh, got him for his jobs, and you're walking away with raw materials and just yes. fucking around. Yep. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll have to have him on one time. <laughs> or I'll just <laughs> talk to him about it by the pool in the summer, and we'll play it back. I Anything else you want to say about Little Monsters? No, I think we covered it, dude. I think I think anybody who hasn't seen it needs to see it. I think it's a beautiful movie. It has I had its fun flaws like it. anything, but yeah. Like I said, it's it's, it would har- be hard for me to recommend because like it would – it would require so much preamble of like, well, you got to understand and blah, blah, blah. So I couldn't just openly recommend it to anybody to watch. I could, easily. But I think that if you come across it, you should watch it. If you've never seen it, um, especially if you have any uh, propensity towards enjoying that. I say go out of your way, find the movie and watch it. The, 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 the movie's. You know, from uh, you know our era, our childhood, nineteen eighty nine, the early nineties and late eighties. Just say there was a special charm to those uh, live action movies that were geared towards uh, family. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so 
that brings us to our list, Joe. Oh, yes, So, sir. again, this week we are taking on Academia yes, in Film. Uh, we are each going to select five movies that we believe are worth seeing that uh, contain the elements of uh, Academia or a main plot point revolving around a student of some sort. Um, Joe, well, I think, sir, you, I started it out last. I was just going to say you week, started so us out last week. Did uh, you want that burden or no? We got to switch it up. You know what I mean? I okay. I, I picked the first topic before we start. I, picked it. I said whatever. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your strategy uh, when coming My up with these. Strategy. Here. I guess not really strategy, strategy but your your strategy for research. What. I did have some notes here, now that I pulled it up, because I didn't pull up any of my notes. We were having such a good discussion okay. about the Little Monsters before oh, okay. I switched my list yeah, over. Um, we covered my first note. I love that kids in the 80s movies are always building cool gadgets that's disturbed the home process. We definitely covered that in spades. But, yeah, in that one, he like he makes it so like the legs off up, fall off the bed so he like. Yeah, we, I guess we didn't really expound upon it, but there was that whole contraption. They can watch built. it. They I'm just saying that I'm was sorry. one note. I'm I do, sorry. No, you're good. Don't. But I do have the two other notes, and uh, that uh, this was released between seasons of Wonder Years because the Wonder Years started in '98, right? Which and he filmed this in which Fred Savage was in '88, and and this filmed in '89. But also, it was released two years after The Princess Bride. So, so like he was a uh, princess bride hit. Then he gets the wonder years on ABC and boom, he's in this movie and he's still doing wonder. So years. the studio was definitely hoping to cash in on, but I don't think wonder years was a children's show. No, it, it was a family show. Was it? Yeah. Cause it was, we didn't watch it as a family. It was so I didn't in know the nineties. Like. It was okay. So it was the nineties right, version. Like a, it was a post 5 PM show. So it wasn't really intended. For it was the nineties version family. of that 70s show, but it was more serious sitcom drama. Right. It yeah. was cause it was the wonder years. If you're not familiar with it was set in the late sixties, early seventies. It was on for six seasons and it was about growing up in the 60s and 70s, but it came out in the 90s. So that's why I'm referring it to, to the 70s show. They're not in any way the same type of show, Understood. but the generational gap was yeah. there. Yeah. Um, that's it. That, that's what I wanted to get off my chest but that, before moving off of Little Monsters. That reminded me because uh, now I have something I'd Please, like to add. Please, yeah. That's why um, we do it. The scene, uh, the brothers, Fred and Ben Savage, are walking home from school and having a conversation and amidst yeah, this conversation this. fred savage is walking uh tightrope style across this small brick wall and it's a oneer, so it's just a dolly shot where uh the, the yeah like a three or four foot brick wall that's like around a cemetery or a park over pieces where it's like it, it crowns up as the post yeah and like then bushes little... and all these things where there's any trees reasonable over. parent would be like get Fucking like down he's doing from there, pirouettes gonna... and spinning around trees. And so so yeah. all I can think about is being on set with child actors. Oh my the... god, man! I can't imagine the the off camera <laughs> insanity that was happening and how many takes yeah. did they have where the, before the parent or the educator <coughs> yeah. on set was oh, like, man. "We need to get him off of there. He needs to quit fucking around. He's worth too much money." But then I, I mean, that makes it was the eighties. That's just what kids did. I, I just, they had I feel mats. Like there had to they be a level they of had to have weather. mats off. They'd already abused the shit out of Shirley Temple and um, yeah. 
Of course, I'm joking. But that's how <laughs> we lived in the 80s. There were no parents around. We were just out in the woods reading comics and lighting shit on fire. Like, we just did whatever we want. Build ramps and burn them down. Like, Are we closing the book on Little Monsters? Let's close the book on Little closing Monsters. Closing the book on Little Monsters. So I'm going to take you back to that question as to whether or not you had any uh, strategy when thinking about your films for this week. I did. So five films revolving around academia. Um I mean, top five is kind of what we call it, but I wouldn't call them top. Like there, things, I'm not trying to do a favorites list. I'm not if, trying to say these if are someone came to my me, favorite academia yes, movies. If someone came to me these and are said, influential, what would, like, what would you recommend is how I kind of look at yes, this. Yes, these are things that are coming of age that I feel maybe were underappreciated, overlooked, but are worth a look, or Same that here. were so pivotal I can't not mention them. 100% agree. And I know there was a, a there's definitely at least one film, I believe two, that I chose not to put on my list in hopes that you had plans on on discussing them. So, um, oh, well, don't count on me for stuff like that. Because there's a couple I have on the bottom. Because we're supposed to have five. But we I always, come in off from five, but I prepare. But I usually the, yeah, prepare. the way you came last time, I was like, I'm going to do a little more of that. Because, I mean, I still had ten, but I just did that because I had five, and then I kept coming up with better ones, and I didn't want to take anything off the list. I just don't think that, because we're not you making made the, a definitive list of any kind. No, we're not ranking it's an these. Opinion. So I don't want to have an offer. That's our opinion. That you offered, right? Like, I'd like, to, like one more film for someone to watch. Yes, exactly. Come in with the, so exactly. I just had some extras. Better to have extras. That's why I have now like uh, so when i was looking at that was pretty much how I, I tried to get some with different tone um there was one that immediately came to mind that every time i bring it bring it up nobody seems to even know it exists so i'm definitely going to be talking about that um and as far as how i i've ordered them for presentation um i don't really have an order to it i just really tried to grab something different for each recommendation Right. So my general sense of order is just number five is the one I want to talk about last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's really Fair it. enough. So I'm going to throw out my first recommendation. Um, the movie that I am selecting is from 1998, uh, and it stars Matt Damon and Edward Norton, and that is Rounders. Ooh, that's a good one, Rounders. So how is that revolved around? Academia? I'm going to explain it to you. I've seen this movie. Oh, he was supposed to be going to school. Or he that, is. That's very so, loose. No, it is not. Uh, it remind is big, me then. Um, I'm going to. So Edward Norton plays a, a criminal who, I forget what he was in jail for, likely theft or something related to gambling because he is a uh, a bad gambler. He's a, he's a poker player, as is Matt Damon. And in the film, Matt Damon plays a law student who is really working his way through um, the the ranks as far as networking with his instructors. Instructors are working attorneys, working judges. Uh, Martin Landau plays a judge who uh, ends up is is his voice of reason at points. But the story is that uh, upon getting out of jail, Edward Norton learns that he is still twenty five thousand dollars in debt to. Uh, loan sharks and he must get out and so he comes to his retired 
poker playing friend Matt Damon and asks him to redirect his life of change that he's making to go towards um, his goal of becoming an attorney. He wants to help him and, settle and this asks debt. to pull like, I can't him back. Do this without you can... and pulls him back into the underworld for them to go and and heavily get involved. I can't with. believe I basically forgot the whole first act because that is about him turning his life well, around and even towards and the, the even and... towards the later part of the movie. Um, one of their big scores is when they learn that all of Matt Damon's. Uh, Professors I don't want to say friends, but yes. His, they have his, their his, own game, have and their that's game. the big hustle. That's how, I can't believe I forgot it, because mm-hmm. that's the big sell so, for the third act. you know, with Matt Damon's character, he has, and he's got a, a girlfriend who knew about his sordid past, and uh, he... Loved that she had turned the bad boy good. Right, and it's Gretchen Maul, um, and, and I think they do a, a, a fabulous job. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a, a remarkable movie. movie. It is. Um, uh, my, probably my first experience with John Malkovich who plays the Russian the mad Russian who is a phenomenally creepy character it's so good and if you watch any of the behind the scenes or any interviews with Malkovich where he talks about that role like he's so humble and self-deprecating like he's just like yeah I just came in and I'm a shit actor, so I. And he's no. like, like, I mean, he I makes can't fun of his himself. Accent. Maybe no, his accent was that's shit. That's kind know. of what he's talking about, but it. But he the stuck embodiment to of it, and he sold it, and it, it was so good. And like he, yeah, I just love hearing him talk about it. As, so you know. that's 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 my first recommendation. I highly recommend checking out Rounders. Um, Joe, do you have anything else to say about Rounders? No, I think I said my piece about Rounders. I enjoy it. Malkovich is brilliant. Uh, Norton's brilliant. Norton's phenomenal. Matt Damon is—he could have been better, but he's—he's—he's he's, he's always good. He's growing. He's you know, always that, good, and this was a formative role for yes. him, and I think he grew in the role. Even honestly, I, agree. I will go as far as to say that. But um, my first is a movie from two thousand two, a drama indie film, "The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys." This is starring Jodie Foster, Emil Hirsch, Kieran Culkin, Jenna Malone, Vincent D'Onofrio. And others, and uh, it's directed by Peter Kerr. Yeah, I have not seen that, or I don't so recall seeing it. Good, it's a coming of age movie. It's you know, it's it's a group of friends, and they they go to Catholic school, and they're altar boys, and altar boys are you know, do they? Is this a live-in the Catholic mischief. school? Like a, a no, they go home. Okay. Yeah, it's... how much of how much of the plot happens at the at the school? I mean, the whole the whole things re- the whole plot revolves around the school. Like even when they're not in school, it's still about the school. Like they end up so like they they have this comic book, right? The one guy wants to be like the next Stan Lee, the mm-hmm. Neil Hirsch character, and uh, the Kieran Culkin character wants to be the editor. Right. And like, uh, I mean, there's editors are great. They're very important. But this character wants to do it because the, the editor is one that makes you not look like a dumb shit or something like that was one of the lines okay. that he says, like, he doesn't he doesn't have any artistic ability and he wants to be attached to it, you know, and it's the two best friends. And now the two like a bass player. Yeah. And the two new. Yeah. Who should have be an audible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the two other guys that come on become part of the story. They start submitting drawings to the comic book, you know, so he doesn't have any submissions because he can't draw. Is that a side plot or is that a big part of the plot? 
It's sort of a side plot, but it's kind What's of the... it's kind of a part to why like the group falls apart. Okay, you know what I mean. So it's 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 a What's cornerstone, but not a side plot. It's a it's about. Um, that's hard, man. It's, what type of movie is it? Is it a drama? Yeah, it's a drama. It's an okay. indie film. Period piece? Um, it is a bit. Like, you know, these, these are kids growing up in the, the 70s. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Through that kind of era. Like, they, they don't really have video games. No. You know, they're, they have Com- their they comic, comic books. books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, maybe there's an arcade with, like, Galaga. Or, okay. You know? What like, city did you say it was in? Oh, I didn't say what city it was in. It was in a, I think it was in a specific big, city. A big city or suburbs? Let me look here. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while. You know what I mean? But okay. I just loved it. It has this uh, crossover of animation and it's just, it, it deals with, I guess it's about, um, like, the diversity of families and how like okay. just because you know somebody or you're friends with them or even dating them you don't know what's really happening behind closed doors so mm-hmm. like the Emil Hirsch character and the I like Emil Hirsch Jenna Malone character I like Jenna Malone yeah and this was pretty Donnie Darko but she has she's that same kind of character that mysterious dark sexy you know so what um, why would you she, recommend this film because I think it's relatable I think there's a character in there for everyone Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think even if you haven't been one of these people, you've had one of these people in your life. And if maybe you didn't understand them, this will give you an insight to how it does. So, like, the Malone character, she's uh, kind of dark, kind of perverted. Uh, her and Emil Hirsch start dating, and turns out, like, she admits that her brother used to rape her. Oh, okay. But that ends up not being true. She raped her brother. Oh. It, like, yeah, like, you have to hear the way the stories are told. You know what I mean? I'm just jumping so to the, the plot is points, the conflict but... or the, the thread more about relating each of these different fucked up childhoods to each other? Or is it about um, just the various things that, like, what what age were they? Was this, like, mid-teen type of characters how old i mean pre donnie darko so she was probably probably in the it was they were like 16 17 18 area probably no younger 16 17 18 she wasn't even that old in donnie darko how old was she in donnie darko like 14 15 get out of here because emile hirsch i I thought they were right around my age what what year was this done 2002 and they're they're like 12 wow like they're riding around on bikes you know okay, I mean? well, that's that's super dark for that, that they're, age. They're still in beers and drinking them in an abandoned... Well, I'd be, interest, I'd be interested in seeing them. It's really good, dude. Like, like c- cinematically, uh, Vincent Tanafio is just amazing. He, oh, he plays okay, a, somehow he, I missed you saying Vincent Tanafio. I'm I sold did. on Vincent he, Tanafio. He plays a priest who's a chain smoker. Okay. Uh, Jodie Foster's that, they call her Nunzilla, is the character they made in a comic book about okay. her character. Like, it's... It's seriously, I, I didn't go to Catholic school. I wasn't raised Catholic. Right. But it's relatable. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, I knew people who were raised Catholic. Uh, my, my, I, my parents, well, my dad went to Catholic school. I had cousins who went to Catholic school. These stories I've heard all my life. And it's there. It's right there. And it's just unapologetic. And it's, a lot of it is social commentary about like, so the Kieran Culkin character, 
the nun is always like, you're from bad, you know, you're a bad egg, you're a bad egg. And his parents are going through a divorce. And so he can't get solace anywhere but his friends. So he creates all this drama, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, if I'm a bad egg, let me show you how bad I can be. Rather than, right. oh, you can be better. Let me see you do better. And that kid would have pushed to be better, not worse. Yeah. You know, so those kinds of things. Like, it's really, it, it's good. Well, I'd be very interested in, in seeing this. So I would not be mad if this came up on our selection. So the list that we're going through tonight at the... Uh, end of the episode we are going to randomly select one for a fresh viewing and just as we did with little monsters um we are going to then take a look at it and discuss it on our next episode um see whether or not it holds up see whether or not we still have the same feelings about it and then discuss a little bit more about um uh you know cinematically what we gather from the movie what we learn from it what we like from it or or um, you know anything right. that comes so to mind. So we got segment one down with little monsters in the in the bag. We've given y'all number one from our list. We're gonna take a quick break, listen to maybe some sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back. I didn't even hear what you had said there. Maybe but, some uh, sponsors. Maybe some sponsors. Maybe some, maybe some sponsors. <laughs> All right, we will check you back in just a moment. Pop lock and spray it everywhere. Yeah, my hand got sprayed last well, time, but you uh, did drop it. I, I did. Well, I didn't drop it. I didn't drop it. It, doesn't it make... fell out of the fridge. I didn't put it in there. Okay. Did it Cheers. hit the ground or not? Cheers. Oh, my mouth is dry. Welcome back. <clears throat> we have taken a quick break and we are returning. Uh, so we started our list. I dropped Rounders from 1998. Uh, what was the name of the film that you added? The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys. The Dangerous Lives of yes. Alter Boys, which I have not seen. And I'm very excited to see. Uh, we will see whether or not that ends up being our film to watch this week. All right. So I guess it's now on me. Yeah, it's on you. And I need to, to grab a napkin. One. Ah, man, I asked if you were ready. Well, I am ready. While while Joe grabs his napkin. over me, myself, and I. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, while while Joe cleans himself up here, I'm going to present uh, my next pick. Uh, I'm a little bit torn on where I want to go from here based upon uh, what I really want to highlight. So I tried to pick movies that offered something different, either tonally or morally or uh, just in general a style of film. Uh, so I think... I think the next recommendation that I'm going to add to our list of films... Um, so uh, about or surrounding academia or a student uh, is the 2003 film starring Jack Black, School of Rock. Yes, I'm so glad because I didn't put that on my list, and I wasn't sure if you were going you to. Would and I'm glad that I got this one because I, like I said, I believe we're in agreement on another one, and I'm hoping that you will play it because I didn't put it on my list. Uh, but School of Rock. So School of Rock is. A fabulous movie. Um, what's great about it is that it appeals to adults 100%, but it it isn't overly vulgar because most of the cast is children. And as such, I think it's a great movie for kids to watch as well. So I wouldn't call it a kid's movie, um, but it is widely available, I think, to, to many demographic. Uh, so the story Agreed, is... yeah. 
The story is about a uh, Jack Black who is a guitar player who just dreams of being a rock star and gets fired from his band because he dreams too big. He's just a little bit overly antic and, and wild and classic Jack Black. It's it's hands down one of my favorite Jack yeah, Black performances. And he, he, he is, a, at the start, a bit of a shiftless lay about he's killer at guitar, but he's just he's waiting showy. for... He's, he's showy. showy. He wants and, to be seen. So... Um, he needs to make money, and the room that he is staying in um, is uh, with a friend of his who is a teacher, and a substitute teacher, rather, substitute and he teacher, needs money, correct. and his friend gets a job offer, and he takes it uh, as his roommate. So he walks in to be Ned Schneebly. Ned Schneebly. Ned Schneebly. I'm Schneebly, and um, pretends to be a teacher, and uh, his class... Turns out to be it's a it's a a wealthy parochial type school. Like everybody there comes from wealth is uh, yeah, very well trained, like well maintained, top one percent like private correct. elementary school. Yeah. So these kids, you know, uh, are subjected to or are made available multiple different um, scholastic options and extracurricular and he discovers that they are musically inclined and believes that he can create a band to compete in the local battle of the bands and make his rent but you know they're they're all interested in rock and roll but they can only play classical music right so their music he introduces them and that's what i think is so wonderful about the movie is a part of the plot point because he is an asshole right like you learn to grow with him as he learns to become an adult that's his story and he becomes a decent Human Teacher being, and human he does. Being. Yeah. He learns. He learns from the kids because he goes Finds in purpose. completely selfishly. Yeah. And even uh, um, the pre- presenting the musical aspect of it was selfish, uh, while benefiting the children. It was a selfish intent, right? Yes. He, he did. He did in the end Initially, provide something for them was that selfish, was beautiful. Yes. And that closing scene where they do perform at the Battle of the Bands. First off, the most packed Battle of the Bands I've ever seen at fucking noon on a school day. Right. And I don't care what city it was. <laughs> that was insane. Uh, but I've been to Battle of the Bands. The journey that the that he takes the class on. the on Saturday night. And there's five way that the people. film approaches music and rock and roll specifically um, as something that can be part of education that that came in and i i genuinely believe that that movie spawned a business because i see more school of rocks around town than i've ever yeah, seen like and let's not forget the the quintessential part of the story where every kid was included even the shy girl in the back who had pipes like aretha oh yeah did, i want to sing oh, but she was shy okay she didn't have that confidence he, he didn't ask he no no judgment he said okay Sing something then. He just encouraged her. He mm-hmm. just gave her the opportunity. He gave her the chance. No yeah. judgment. He wasn't None. like, well, hold on. No, no, no. No judgment. Because I think None. originally he had given her like some sort of art project. She was part of like the... Um, uh, she was she less was costume or oh, no, she was a or... backup singer. Was she a backup singer at first? Regardless, regardless, she wasn't happy with what the placement she had. But they even found like the non-musical people something to do. Like they introduced what is so important about any any music i don't want to say just rock and roll i appreciate that rock and roll you know as a rock fan and i think that rock music gets put off in the popular culture no but even but even an individual solo artist has an entourage of people to make that show possible right not just their backup dancers backup singers and right there was the makeup 
There's set design. There's lighting and mm-hmm. sound technicians. Uh, the character played by a very young uh, Miranda Cosgrove, who went on to do um, I Carly. She was, you know, the Carly, yeah. the lead Carly, and, and a vocalist on her own right. She, she was she the band actually, manager. She was the band manager. She was just the the girl in class who wanted to be perfect. She wanted the stars. She wanted the recognition. That was how she was raised. That was the. But he was able to even find, and they didn't. They didn't get along. She's they, like, I'm that not was interested his in music. I want to know business. And he said, and I got you. He covered. puts her up Here on you go. it. Yeah. So I think that film is a, an incredible film. That at first off, if you haven't seen it, it's incredibly funny. It's incredibly um, amusing as far as uh, its characterizations of people. It's um, a welcoming. It's encouraging, and it highlights the importance of rock and roll. So um, I I put that as my second uh, selection this evening. My second selection this evening is a PG-13 from 1985, Just One of the Guys. That's another one I've not seen. Okay, well, it's quick little synapses. When Terry Griffith, played by Joyce Heiser, loses her high school's writing competition, she's convinced this because she's a girl. So Terry decides to change high schools and poses a boy to prove her point. Her brother... Buddy, I have seen this. Played by Billy Jacoby, helps her pass. It's so good. Helps her pass as a guy so well that she is soon making friends with the boys at school, including the attractive Rick, played by Clinton Roner. Clayton Roner. Oof, music not aged well. Who becomes her best friend, but her gender swapping makes things difficult when she falls in love with him. Okay, so yeah, it came out in 1985, April, Columbia Pictures, uh, budget $5 million, box office 11 and a half. so it did well, actually. It I didn't performed. Know. Yeah, I mean, I was three when it came out, but yeah. I remember <laughs> it well from my That was, like, uh, I happened to cross it on Comedy Central type situation. Right, and this this is one of those things where Uncle Paul slid over from Cinemax, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, because it had the... the the young tits in it. So there was well, not in the version I saw. I saw it on Comedy Central. Right, there were there were <laughs> breasticles. So uh, this is when I definitely the cast was Joyce Heisner, William Zabka, who's made a reoccurrence with Cobra Kai. He was oh, the bad guy from yeah. the Karate Kid, to, who uh, I believe in How I Met Your Mother they posed. Was he really the bad guy? Was he really or, the bad guy? Right, I'm not sure. Uh, I like William Zabka. I'm just I'm just gonna shout out William Zabka, but yeah, it, it was full of '80s tropes, like and every ahead of its time. If that would happen now, because it's it, like it was a transgender movie before there was transgenders, like in the was public it though? Eye I mean, she. At, I mean, they were around, but in the public. I, I mean, like is that is that character really? Okay, maybe yeah. I'm taking it a step too far, but it was definitely a a, a, a jab at the patriarchy and about Understood. inequality. Understood. It was definitely still uh, a common, uh, a... this woman had big old, like 38 double D's had to tape them down. She taped them down. Yeah. Like how you pass them for this. It was oh, definitely a, a comment on masculinity. Vest. Yeah, it was toxic. Masculinity. Yeah. It was a good movie. It was, it was funny. It was witty. It was, you know, ahead of its time, I think. Um, I I think that it really nails representation of 80s comedies. Yes. Um like I said it you know it it 
fashion, music. The, Every you knew the high school. As soon click. as a character came on screen, you knew what clique they were a part mm-hmm. of. You know the the tropes were just laden. So you knew but, it. But I think that's a, a unique Z-snap. story and something that, especially at the time, was something that needed to be commented on. You know, women's struggle in the workplace, women's struggle at school, just the, the right for equality. I mean, I can't even say that today it's any better. I, I hope that it's at and least in the a time, little better than it was. And in the timeline of America, that's when women were really strongly hitting the workforce. Right. So. And, and it's a, that's, that's a, a ripe time to be able to present that in a fun way, but to hopefully have the audience check itself a little yeah. bit. So the fact that it apparently did fairly well in the box office, it's not a smash hit. It made its money back and then some. But uh, I I feel like it's gone forgotten. It's gone the way of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, when was the last time you even thought of that? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I... It's a comedy subject. Like I, I can't this, say that I know all the plot no, points. I've probably this, seen it. We got to this list, and we were going, and I just got to remembering all these movies. Like mm-hmm. I could have a list of thirty right now. Like, yeah, yeah. The more I thought about it, the more I, I had to stop thinking about it because I was like, "Well, I'm not going to." That's a great one. Like to to bring up like you did last time, like Animal House. I didn't like you said mm-hmm. Star Wars, but it wasn't actually on your list. Like Animal House was the quintessential like movie that right. I didn't put on the list but I felt like everything was based on like that kind of like not not the fact that it was a comedy but that it was based around academia and that it was like hard hitting to society as a satire an impact regardless absolutely of, regardless of its popularity yeah it it still makes an impact i believe that's yeah, one of those films exactly. that exactly it's timelessness will just as stand a, as a social commentary mm-hmm. that's really what i was going for with this list is the, it's timelessness in social commentary so we've each got two more picks and since i know what the last one we got three more buddy do we Th- those are oh, that was that just changes one things. and two. Oh, that changes things okay all right, I'm a little bit more relieved. Okay, then, so um, for my third pick, <sighs> Joe, you're really surprising me tonight. So there is some that uh, oh, you think I thought you, I thought you were going to talk about bro. that. Now I'm not sure if you're going to talk about, I but that's okay. Won't. That's okay. I might. It just makes it difficult because there were ones I was like, oh, okay, I'll let Joe talk about it. But you're 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 reaching so. Um, your reach is a lot I'm longer deep, than I anticipated. I'm deep into that yeah, cerebral. Yeah, a lot, a lot wider. So nostalgia. <clears throat> All right, then. Um, I did a comedy. I did a drama. What do I want to talk about then? We both um, started with the drama and went to a comedy. Though. Yeah, and I mean, I don't really have anything outside of. The, so we didn't plan that. I guess. Happened. I guess. Okay, so I'm torn between a thriller that is arguably not. A great movie, but very representative of its time when it came out. Just do your list. Or man. another comedy. Just do your list, man. Uh, Just do your list. Okay, all right, I'm gonna me? go with. I'm I gonna got go with 14 on here. I'm doing the top five. I'm gonna go with PCU. Okay, all right. I love that movie. That was on my list. Okay. So that's something now to. Oh, so now I've changed your you, direction. I had no, not that's not my next one, but. It is See, gonna have so, to, I'm gonna have to bring up another movie, okay. which is See, I'm actually wish, happy about because I wish the one I, I had at six, I wanted to talk about anyway. So uh, all right, so PCU from 1994. So good. Um, it has David Spade. It has a young John Favreau. Jeremy it has Piven. Jeremy Piven in probably one of my favorite the roles. Godfather of. 
funk. And, and then George Clinton and the makes parliament an appearance. And the whole parliament makes oh, an appearance. Man. So, uh, so the, good. the plot revolves Jake around Busey's in there. The plot so revolves in incoming uh, freshmen visiting campuses, and he is scheduled to uh, spend a week at. Did I write the name of the school down? Um, I did not. So he comes into uh, the schools <laughs> to spend the weekend, and he's assigned to stay with uh, Jeremy Piven's character, who is, um, he's not a ju- he's he's like the asshole, but like he's uh, to be honest, he's hard to describe because I believe he's not one trope. Jeremy Piven plays draws. Draws, right? D R O Z. It's just he obviously some stupid nickname. He doesn't lead a fraternity, but he has his collective, right? They're not an official group of any kind, and that's where this this incoming freshman spends his time. But along the way, he causes uh, trouble with many different groups. So the school is definitely segmented. You've got your hippies. You've got your um, your your the hippies were basically the protesters. They were yeah. well, vegans everybody at one was point. Protesting. They were more protesting. So you have there vegans, was the, you have you the have... wealthy that were the they all wore the same coat. That's what David Spade was. Uh, were they all part of them? Hmm, 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 you know, yeah. the preps. That's the word yeah, I'm looking preps. for. Then you had uh, President Garcia, played by Jessica Walter. Oh uh, God! Yeah, yep. I totally didn't so even many, realize that. So many good people. But it's it's movie. hilarious. It is. Um, it's not it, it definitely wasn't a big budget film like it has an indie a mid-90s indie approach to it what i love budget, about budget it eight million dollars director hart boschner what i love about it is what it uses based on that budget 20th century right? studios it it keeps it small where it needs to be small it keeps it tight when it needs to be tight and then where it's big it's it's really well done it there's is, the sequence yeah. where well they invade the prep party there's the secret, the sequence where they do the the party in the barn where everyone gets laid. Um, yeah. The the pit, the not pit. the bar, the pit. Yeah, they called their house the pit. Yeah, <laughs> the pit. So um, the pit. It's it's everyone funny, and and there are relatable characters in it. While all of the characters are definitely over exaggerated, there's definitely no sincerity to the acting or anything. But it is fun. And it's one that I don't think a lot of people really know about, and that's why I recommend it. I I love it so much, and I, you know, and I was contemplating because like it was huge for me, and like I didn't, you know, in high school, was, you know, it was a couple years old, but mm-hmm. I loved it, and I watched it all the time. It was played on Comedy Central a lot, mm-hmm. but then, you know, I I found it on. Uh, VHS and it was completely different, you know, like at a really? rummage center. Oh yeah, yeah from Comedy but, Central for yeah, sure. Totally different for to sure. see the unedited version, you know, just like the TNT version, still different from the Comedy Central version. <laughs> yeah, when I'll you get, get the unedited that. version, holy shit! But yeah, it was just so it originally was not like on my list because I thought it was well known, and then anybody I kind of talk to this about i'm not you know i don't reveal like mm-hmm. i ask questions without saying for my podcast what do you think right i'm just you know just bringing it up out. in conversation yeah. and nobody really remembered it so i was like i'm gonna throw it on there so like it was on like number eight and it slowly went up <laughs> as i was like deciding so I'm, I'm happy it was on your list and i'm not upset for it to go down from mine but my next choice and I'll be surprised if anybody remembers this. Angus. 
Okay, so I've never seen Angus, but I'm aware of it. That one, when it trailered, was too inappropriate, according to my parental units, to I'm not see. surprised for that, but that's crazy, because it is <coughs> so appropriate. Really? Yeah, that, there's no even slight Was nudity. he a bully? What was the story of Angus? Um, I wouldn't call him a bully. Redhead he, kid he, played he, him, right? No, his best friend was a little redhead Okay, kid. okay. But he, he was... The, the big guy, he was mm-hmm. Angus Buffoon or Bethune, and they called, they him, called Buffoon, him Buffoon. And they would say, well, Isn't Angus a cow? Because Angus steak, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and this is oh, all that's unfortunate. Well, this is all in the opening narrative kind of thing, you know what I mean? Because it's you know how like the indie exposition, f- yeah, yes. And it's a drama romance, as they're clear, but it wasn't to me. I mean, it's definitely not indie film. What was it rated? It's Let's see, where is that? PG thirteen. Okay, the thirteen is yeah, what killed it for so me. For, yeah, for your yeah, uh, sixty seven on Rotten Tomatoes, six point seven on IMDb. But, but dude, it had Kathy Bates as the mom. What? Yeah, she was the mom. She was a truck driver, and she was a single mother of, and she, uh, like lived with her father, like took care of her senile father who's mm-hmm. getting married by the way at like 75 or good 80 for him. or something yeah good for him but like the social commentary is so good especially like so he the this whole time this so let me go through so it's uh charlie talbert plays angus bethune all right and his best friend is chris owen who plays troy wedberg and he Angus loves Melissa Lefevre. Lefevre. That's the name? Yeah, yeah, played by Ariana Richards, the granddaughter from Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Right? And he has this rivalry with Rick Sanford, played by James Vanderbeek. No shit. Right, and it starts What year did this come out? 1995. 95. So this is pre. This is oh, probably this is the role that got him Dawson. Yeah, this is pre Dawson know? for sure. But and so many good people, like Ivers, uh, Irvin Kirshner's in it, George C. Scott, like just so many good actors, right? But it he idolizes this Melissa Lefevre, you know, and he has this rivalry with, and he ends up like being the quarterback, his rival, right? Uh, Vanderbeek, and Angus is like the tackle, right? He's broken this guy's nose because they've played in sports their whole life so many times because he's always like trying, he's always calling him fat and calling him a loser, and he's always been bigger than him, so he breaks his nose. And eventually, now he has what he wants. It's high school, he's dating the girl he's obsessed over since first grade. So as a joke, he gets him. He, Angus gets elected freshman prom king, or snowball prom king, right? He's the king of the dance. Snowball. Yeah, whatever the it was Sadie called. Hawkins. Yeah, it was one of the, stupid shit. So, <laughs> so his crush, the popular girl, is the the queen, and here Bethune is. The king instead of Vanderbeek, right? Uh, and it's all a joke. Vanderbeek's the president. He rigged it. Right? Mm. And Angus is smart. He's good at science. He's 
like probably going to be valedictorian. He understands all this, but he gets to dance with Melissa Lefevre. Right. So he's like, I'll take it. And Grandpa's always giving him the, this advice. I'm going to give you this piece of advice and you should live by it. And he says it like four times in the movie. <laughs> so just, Let's so, make sure you're paying attention. <clears throat> screw them. Who cares what they think? Damn right. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them, man. It was PG-13, so screw them. <laughs> now you can say fuck them once. Well, yeah, and they do, <laughs> they do say it once. And it's uh, Grandpa ends up dying, so there's all this heart wrench. You know? Oh, yeah. It's really, it's a good movie. It's emotional, but it's I feel like like it was... It went unsung because it went up. Like, I remember it was it being a great movie, but it went up against a lot. So in my mind, you know, heavy advertisement this, meant popularity. But I can't say that anyone in class was like, "Oh, you got to go see Angus." Oh, they were so definitely trying slept, to buy that. It slept like, on me. You said it was ninety five. Green Day and all the whoever's pop Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, nineteen ninety five, man. Man, I was fourteen years old. I should have been able to see that. Right? Yeah, you definitely should have been able to see it. God damn it the way it is a brief moment in the life of angus bethune that's well i i look forward to possibly being able to check that one out um before i move on is there anything else that you wanted to say about angus Uh, go see it man i you can rent it on amazon for i intend to 289 so now we are down to two picks a piece what do you got for uh, number two there brand so, uh, because I've done two comedies, and you really are a wild card tonight. <laughs> I'm um, always a wild card. There are two here. I think I'm, I'm, I'm debating between. Well, you already knocked out my number four, so I, like, because I was going to do PC. You were going to do so PC. Now I'm, this is disappointing because now I could, I, I could have then th- that would have solved my whole problem. But no, I wanted to. I, I, I didn't want it to be missed. I didn't want PC to be missed. Of, it would no, it can't I, be missed. I didn't, know. I didn't either. That's the only reason. I, I jumped got, the gun. I jumped I mo- the gun. No, you didn't. That's okay. I moved it up so it wouldn't be missed. So you had it in the right spot. Then I am going to go with 2001's A Beautiful Mind. Mm. Now, admittedly, it's been some years since I've seen it. So I have no argument that that's an academia movie. Didn't even register to me. Loved that movie though. Jennifer Connelly, um, so good. Amazing uh, movie. Ed Harris. And I was worried about talking about it because I, I don't recall a lot about it, but this is what I do recall. So, first off, it's a story of a mathematician who is an instructor Crow, at yeah. Pr- Princeton University, played by Russell Crowe. Um, he discovers um, he, something he did, he, something he discovers leads him to winning the Nobel Prize. But the movie packages his personal and revolutionary discovery uh struggles i'm sorry it packages his personal struggles through that time of the discovery of this um equation to him winning the nobel prize and it it takes a turn that one was not alluded to in the marketing like when i when i sat down and watched the movie i really didn't know what i was getting into and 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 Truthfully, I avoided the movie for some time because I'm not a huge fan of biopics. 
biopics tend to be like fair, yeah. here's the here's the struggle of this person you already know is fucking amazing there's some the fake shit in between to make them a real person and yeah. at the end of it hooray you know why they're heroes and while that doesn't say anything about them as people i don't disrespect them you know the the stories that are being told but as as a piece of entertainment sometimes i'm like well i already know what i'm getting um a beautiful mind i had no fucking clue what i was going to be getting And uh, again, because it's been uh, about a decade since I've seen it, I don't want to go into particulars and and reinterpret it wrong. Maybe you can speak on some, but he he has some personal issues with his health uh, mentally. And and I don't want that to be a spoiler because I don't remember if it was a spoiler, but it was not addressed in. So it brings a period piece. So it was back in the time where the doctor's understanding of mental health isn't where we are now. So Mm -hmm. what you would uh, classify that as now, they weren't even aware of back then. So what they called it in the movie is really inconsequential to what it actually was that was wrong with him. Yeah. But it is a commentary on what they knew back then. Like, I believe they called him a paranoid schizophrenic. Oh, okay. He had some problems with delusions and things, but Mm -hmm. it was... He went on medicated and yeah. Right. It was unattended to. And and because of that, he wasn't aware of what was going on. So it, it twisted his reality. His reality, his his and this his is point of view of life was with people the of, higher, of really high intellect that the older they get, especially if they have like even just ADHD untreated can mm-hmm. turn into these crazy things. It's beautifully directed by Ron Howard. Um, it's incredibly shot. It's gorgeous to look at, but the performances that Jennifer Connelly and Russell Crowe, and I don't recall who else may be in it because they, they definitely are so the standouts. Many good. I think Stanley Tucci might be in it. That that could be misspeaking. Um, but that one is definitely one that uh, I recommend, and, and I hope that we are able to watch, and if not, I, that I come across and, and refresh myself. It's definitely not a movie that you could pop in and watch all the time, which is why it's been so long since I've seen it. It's one yeah. of those ones that makes an impact. It sticks with you. It did tell a story, but it, it offers an introspective look at somebody who we see one side of when we hear their names um, or when they're talked about by their peers, but we may not understand the inner turmoil that when they it was suffered. in its peak it like if it came on i wouldn't turn it off it just doesn't come on anymore it's incredible i just don't watch cable anymore whatever but yeah i i enjoyed it when it came out it's a, I would it's enjoy a ride it. yeah it's, it's a good it's, watch it's, it's hard at some points it's um it's sad at others but Ed harris just, says the Ed harris. is just phenomenal and he's basically he's just an illusion he's not a real character but yeah Great movie. So, yeah, 2001's A Beautiful Mind is my fourth pick. So, my number four was PCU. We've already talked about that. And, oh, what's... But, so, which one? Exactly? Mm. See, you got me here. Now I'm, now I'm in... I should have just held back on PCU. Sure. Let that one have that. There yeah, are I two guess. here. So, here's yeah. the thing. You, you've got two picks left, and there are two here that I thought for sure you were going to be talking about. Yeah, so well, I didn't add them is, to my list. We, we, we address those things after we get through the list because you just, may still be shocked. I'm just saying. Because, I mean, they're... Okay. So if I just strike PCU from the list and I move on, then my number five, I could say now, but I would just say number six first because I want to talk about number five last anyway. Which... Um, it's going to have to be 
Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It was one I thought you might talk about, but yeah. not one of the two that I was talking about. Okay, still interesting. Yeah. All right, still batting 100 at Surprising Brad. <laughs> Loving that. That's my favorite part of That's these That's my lists. favorite so far, man. Yeah, because, I mean, you, like, PCU is the only thing you hit that I kind of expected. But okay. I obviously thought you had some other things coming if I put that See, on my I thought list, we too. had I thought we had an unspoken I, conversation don't, don't last week. I can't see. You. My... I got so much shit in front of me, man. I can't see. <laughs> I'm blind by my own shit. All right. So but anyways, Bueller's tell us, off, tell us about I, Ferris Bueller's. Matthew Broderick. Uh, I don't have this pulled up for, like, cues on shit. Anyways, Matthew Broderick, it was, when was it even released? Let's see, I don't have it. Oh, a, shit. Now, yeah. My guess would be like 1985, 84. Hold on, give me a second. There it is. 1986. Uh, John Hughes movie. Matthew Broderick, Alan Ruck, Mira Sarah, Miss Her, uh, Jennifer Grey, Jeffrey Jones as Ed Rooney, mm-hmm. Mr. Rooney. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Sheen plays the punk in the... Uh, Police station who makes out with Jennifer Grey's sister. Anyway, (laughs) yeah. So Matthew Broderick is this guy who thinks he's smarter than everybody and outsmarts his parents and fakes calls in sick and goes and wreaks havoc on the city of Chicago. Yeah, takes his day off. The Bears. The Bears. The Bulls. Um, He makes an enemy with the principal. Ed Rooney. Who is... Making it his own as far personal. As well, you shouldn't throw anybody with your bad knee at. <laughs> <laughs> the secretary is my favorite. Makes it his oh, personal mission to end the truancy of Ferris Bueller. Um, the scene where they steal the car is probably oh, one of my yeah. favorite scenes. Cameron's dad's Jaguar. Mm-hmm. Oof. This oh, is where the trope comes car. from because you see it in multiple comer- uh, cartoons, uh, at, at least in our childhood, um, where if you drive the yeah. car backwards, the mileage That's, would yeah, go down. No. And it doesn't work like That's that. That's an old folktale urban legend, <laughs> as it were. Cars are just not that simple. Urban legend was another one that almost made. Did my it really? List. It almost did, yeah. Interesting. I see how it would fit. We don't have any horror it movies. Is all, here. It's all about a, a college. 100%. Yeah. They're so. all students. Well, um, so I didn't feel I wanted to bring horror into the talk of academia because we could have talked about the faculty as well. I mean, and that was when we brought up last, last week, week as the quintessential, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, Animal House is the quintessential for this. I don't think we put the quintessentials on our list. No, we use them as an example for ourselves and our listeners and our guests when we have them. Um, is there anything more that you want to add about Ferris Bueller before we tangent too far? I mean, it's Ferris Bueller. If you haven't seen Ferris Bueller, go see Ferris Bueller. It does Bueller. stand on its own. Like, I was yeah, not a fan originally problem, when I saw it you know? um, because I saw it. Uh, I didn't see it as a child. I saw it uh, probably um, early 20s. Right. Um, and mean, it wasn't like I didn't that, enjoy it. But, but now. See, early 20s is is an acceptable time to see that. You should see it as a teenager. Yeah. Sure. But early 20s, you're I still at the time. Enough. I just think at the time I saw it. Because I was going through so many phases of what I watched in film, it just wasn't aligned with my interests. Because going back on it now, that's what I was going to say, is like I, I genuinely love the movie now. I mean, the big, the biggest thing I want to point out is pretty much any movie uh, I'm going to pick is going to have this this era of the the and 
the subculture, the antithesis of of popularity. You know, this like this guy is going against the status quo. He's out there. He he pretends to be the sausage king of Chicago to get into this fancy restaurant that they're going to dine and dash on. They what end up I at really a table love about the movie is father. how it breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, and I think that the, narrows the whole time you're you're one of the gang. I mean, he he hijacks a float in the middle of a parade on downtown Chicago and sings and gets a whole city to dance. Like, obviously that's one of those grandiose eighties movies moments, but as a kid, you just love these things. Mm -hmm. And it was just, who does that shit? Ferris Bueller does it on his day off. So we've each got one more choice. Um, I'm going to run down our choices before we uh, go over our last choice. But before I do that, I'm going to let you know that I am concerned. Because there's one movie that I definitely chose not to talk about because I thought you were going to. And if I just I love don't good choose that, man. if I don't choose that, I'm afraid it's not going to end up on the list. And I know we're going to talk about it on our discards, but we whatever. are going to brush over whatever. The okay, so uh, at the moment, we started out with my recommendation for Rounders. Uh, Joe, I, I didn't get this whole title down. Uh, it was The Ordinary Life of Alter Boys. Did I get that right? Not no, at all. The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys. The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys. Yes. I then suggested uh, School of Rock. Joe recommended Just One of the Guys. Yeah. I recommended classic. PCU. Joe followed up with Angus. Angus. Yeah. I mentioned A Beautiful Mind. And we have just finished discussing Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Um, so now we're getting to the point where I knew what I was going to talk about in my last spot. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it there because I know that you're not going to talk about this one. I just... Just pay attention. In my heart of hearts. Because if life moves too fast, you just might miss it. You just might miss it. That's quote from Ferris Bueller, sorry. It, that's appropriate. I like that. I, did, I wouldn't have been able to say I'm terrible at quotes. Uh, I hope we establish that on this show. Um, I will See, misquote I, I, everything. I, I may misquote a word or two, but you never know because I'm so confident when I do. You are incredibly confident. <laughs> and you deliver it with right such though. a natural probably finesse right. that I don't even know if, if it's not a line that I'm 100% familiar with that came from a movie. I would just believe Joe said it. That, that's what Joe said. And he's like, oh, don't you know? I'm like, no, I, I don't. Oh, that's from, ah, oh, damn, well, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. You've seen that movie. I know I've fucking seen I, the movie, I really but I don't have the script I really need to be less memorized. disappointed in people because my jokes are so situational. And, like, if you don't know, like, Brad points out, who's going to know that if you didn't have any? You just said something without context. And, like, but you I'm really disappointed. That. That's, ever, I do. That's what I, I almost comes enjoy from nobody getting it. But I get more joy out of when that one person actually catches it and it's one in a million but that's what i do it for it's for them and for me going oh they got it <laughs> but that's why i hang out with you well like i i'll do this one for my wife and my daughter do you know how a moose says i love you no oh <laughs> that's from a movie we'll talk about that later <laughs> all right then so my next pick my last pick for the evening is from 1981 it stars a very young Sean Penn, Timothy Hutton, a baby-faced Tom Cruise, and a masterful, masterful performance by previously mentioned George C. Scott. And that is the movie Taps, a movie about oh, a movie about a military academy 
where the students and the school learn that the school is going to be torn down and turned into a condominium development. The school is 141 years old and has a, a rich, rich history in the military. Well done, Joe. Well, I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> well, maybe not. I, I, uh, the story is a, a very slow burn story, but it's because most of the cast is so young and because they are being faced with something that they feel so strongly about, the performances are incredible. You, you really feel for what the students are going through, but ultimately what they decide to do, and because I really want you to see it, I want to speak very vaguely, but they they lock down the school is is the, the strong plot of the movie. They okay. take over the yeah. school to keep out the developers. So when the bulldozers, in quotes here, shows up to move them out, they take a stand. I'm all and for any story against corporate. I'll tell you bullshit. what, this is yeah. hands down one of my favorite Tom Cruise performances. It was his first film performance. He was 17 years old. Okay, and in yeah. this performance, regardless of how you feel about him as a person, his performance in this movie really defines his next 10 years. I mean, he's a great and the opportunity. He's I'm, amazing. I never hate him for that. Yeah. So is uh, Sean Penn. So is Timothy Hutton in the lead role. Uh, the cadet who takes over and and leads this uh, no, I've, I've revolution. Seen Pats. Yeah, have you? I have, of course. Yeah, My, I was not aware. Yeah. No, but yeah, I just it, I that for me it didn't come to mind as a for whatever movie. reason it was a military was... movie in my mind. So. It did come through my head, but not as like I didn't think of it as school. Right. That is that is. I mean, that's what they're. That's that. That is their school. That's their life. They are students. Right. And well, I mean, this movie that I'm about to mention has nothing to do with taps, but it didn't make my list because it was a school that's not really a school, hmm. which would have been uh, the 1991 ski school. Fucking hell. <laughs> I can't believe you, man. Okay. It didn't make the list, though. Oh, okay. It, it did okay. not make the list. Okay. But because it's not really school, it was more school, like, you know, the, like the 80s, 90s ski epidemic I got movies. You, you know I what I mean? You. Like, and Taps was like, sure, it had uh, school in it, but so did Top Gun. So did, Well, like, but what makes, I think what makes... Taps so many. different is because it, them being students is representative to the story. I completely agree with you. That's why I'm not contesting it okay. being on the list. Okay. But why it didn't make my list is because understood. I didn't consider so it past the oh, reason it's this movie always it's comes like with to rounders, my mind. That it's a gambling or a poker movie. Yeah, it fits. It fits. But reason it comes to me, mind because I I, I put it dismissed in. It. I put it in the same camp as another movie that I, I was hoping was going to be talked about tonight, but it makes such a an impact on uh, ethics and morality because of the use of students as the um, antag uh, the protagonist yes. and adults as the antagonist. Because regardless of how I feel, because I, I believe my my views on military are different now than they were the last time I saw that movie, yeah. but I do believe that it focuses on on both sides of where you may feel. 
um, in a way that addresses other things that are, I mean, really it's about the man coming in and, you know, and, and money and corporations, like right. it's a fucking condo. So regardless of what is being developed, like these kids are, this is their life. This is what they were raised or brought to or desired to be a part of. And it, yeah. it is their lifestyle. Um, and that's what education is. It has, you know, if, if, because they, they it. weren't yeah. just training soldiers, they they there's highlights. I'm of, agreeing with you. It but ma- it makes the list. But that's why that's why that movie always comes to my mind. And if you haven't okay, seen it, yeah. I do highly recommend it. All right. So my number one. I'm nervous over here. Or number five or whatever, because we're not going over favorites. Yeah, last pick. Dead Poet Society. Thank fucking Christ. Such a beautiful movie. So just to, to directed by Peter Weir, screenplay by Tom Schulman, a New England teacher, John Keating, played by the late Robin great, Williams. great, 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 one and only Robin Williams, is introduced to an all-boys preparatory school that is known for its ancient traditions and high standards. He uses unorthodox methods sure as does. we tend to do yes, welcome we to do. the unorthodox film podcast everyone plug ourselves real quick <laughs> but he uses these unorthodox methods to reach out to his students who face enormous pressures from their parents and the school and with Keating's help students Neil Perry played by Robert Sean Leonard Tom Anderson played by Ethan Hawke and others learn to break out of their shells pursue their dreams and carpe diem seize the day seize the carp to reference another movie that I'm not going to mention that's for another time if you know you know anyways starring Robin Williams Ethan Hawke Robert Sean Leonard Gail Hansen Josh Charles, Dylan Cussman, just such it's such a good movie. It's such a great commentary on. It's a private school, uh, I believe, a Catholic private school, all boys preparatory. So I don't remember if there was a religious lean to the uh, school or not, but it was of a time. No, they were they went to chapel for sure. Yeah, like they went to chapel. People were grouped by religion back then. You know, yeah, it was just that time. Yeah, so it's a period piece in a way, but it's really it's a coming of age timeless tale you know but the it's cast in that movie but ultimately is so fucking good what the dead poet society is is this group of boys who go out in a cave and read poetry but their interpretation of it they act right. it out the romantization of it like yes the, the fact that it's an all-boys school and they only read poetry from people of past right only read dead poets and they get over any personal insecurities through this group it's it's very um it's probably the best coming of age movie ever made yeah like so i i saw this very young and in in high school i read a lot of poetry i was Mm. i I wasn't like a super student but i did get some advanced classes like i was that quintessential troubled teen you know what you i mean i was forced yourself to read poetry in, or did you enjoy poetry? no i i was in yeah i was intelligent and i had advanced placement classes hey and classes now. i didn't deliver in that's not the point i went to the library every day and picked out a new book of poetry for myself and would finish it 
like in a day. Mm-hmm. I've read the complete works of William Shakespeare before junior year, voluntarily. Joey's I just a lot did of poetry. <laughs> I don't know how that helps you watch Dead Poet Society, but if you want to listen to Joe, at the age on poetry, I was, like I was rewatching this movie to relate to these poems through other people's views, and like mm-hmm. I just like kind of wanted that kind of group of friends. That's why I like you know tried to chase one down of the things that I love about every the movie. facet, rather than theater or painting or sculpting, building any facet I wanted a part of. I I didn't come from a wealthy family. However, what I loved about this movie was the fact that each of these students came from wealthy families, families of import, that the assumption could be made. Same problem. The assumption could be made that they had everything and had nothing to worry about. But because they made that an equal playing field amongst these students, you you knew immediately to throw that away. And you you saw them each as individuals and the the problems that, that young kids have. And even problems that may be unique to people of their lifestyle with expectations and uh, forcible growth. Yes, and the character that Robin Williams played. Robin Williams is a teacher who just got out of college Mm -hmm. as a teacher. But he went to this preparatory school. He is those kids. Right. He was the boys he's speaking to, and he came back to show them that the world is not this place. Right. And therein lies he even gives, more beauty of the story. Hands down, one of his best performances of his career. So good. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Do something different. Be something different. Stand on your desk for a moment, if only to see the world from a different perspective so you can understand that not only your view is what is happening. So... I have an anecdote about that. When I went, first off, <clears throat> anyone who, who uh, may have got the opportunity to be in school with me knows that I was super nerdy. And going to college, I wanted to kind of redefine myself. And for whatever reason, I took to heart a lot of Dead Poets Society, which I don't regret. I still take that very much to heart. Me too, yeah. But in one of my classes, it was an English class of some kind. We had to do some sort of report or presentation and I stood on top of my desk for no relation to the project at hand to just do it fucking differently. It did not go well, but I did it, and that's why. Oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> Seize the carp. Carp of the diem. That's right. So um, I am so glad you picked that film. That was one of the films that I was yeah. alluding to, and it's- the most important um, it was so influential to me and like even just in my own life. It but... was the inspiration for this list. I'll be honest. When when I c- came up with the idea, that's the one I wanted to talk about. You had yeah. kind of alluded and I was like, someone. I, ju- I don't care who talks yeah. about like, it. Like I say the Animal House was the good essential, <clears throat> but only because I had to use that poet society. I, and I love Animal House. I love all the... It's it's a hard movie. Like It's not a date movie. It's not a fun movie. It's not an uplifting movie. But it is an important movie that is incredibly well-crafted. Yeah. And 10-10 on performances from the entire... What a star cast. Like, honestly, there are like Before groups, they were stars. groups of academic movies. And like that poet society is one I put in with, like, uh, with honors. Joe Pesci, uh-huh. Brendan Fraser, great. Like Joe Pesci plays homeless guy. Brendan Fraser's this guy with honors, and he has this thesis for his doctorate, and he loses it. 
homeless guy finds it and blackmails this kid for a place to stay a page a day. So is that on your discard list? Yes. So that's a great but, transition. But so is school ties. So was it was on mine. Before we get but into that, go, before we get into I, that, those let me, rank with Dead Poets Society, but they're not they were, Dead Poets They were hard. Society. I had school ties on my list as well. So let's go over the 10 here. I have already written random numbers next to these if uh, you wanted to select 1 through 10. If not, I can pass the card over to you to where you can renumber them, and I can choose 1 through 10. How did you want to go about that today? Well, I picked last time, so you should pick this time. So I will. All right, so I'm handing that back over. You renumber those. Um, I'm gonna go over the list uh, one more time from memory. So Joe, if I fail here while you're numbering, you just let me know. We started the list off with rounders. The uh, Joe then added. I'm gonna give me a second to get this. The unfortunate lives of altar boys. The dangerous lives of Alter. I don't know why this is so hard for me. Yeah, it's, it's so many words. Is it the dangerous blue to gray lives... from gray to blue? From blue <laughs> to gray. <laughs> nice callback. Uh, the dangerous lives of Alter Boys. Uh, I then offered up School of Rock. Um, Joe then suggested to us, uh, was that just one of the guys? Uh, just one of the guys. PCU uh, was one that I recommended. Joe recommended Angus. Uh, followed up by A Beautiful Mind, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, Taps, and the Dead Poet Society. So now Joe has, looks like he's finished randomly yes, numbering these out. I'm going to pick a number one through ten. And from that, we are going to watch one of the movies from this list, get a fresh look, a fresh view on it, uh, and we will then discuss it on our next episode. Uh, Joe, are you ready for me to pick one through ten? Three, two, one, shoot. Three. Three, just one of the guys. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I look forward to that. I don't know where we'll find that. Hopefully that's on Amazon Prime. Uh, we now, watched... Bread's number three would have been Dead Poets Society. That is true. But I'm not upset. I don't even I've remember I've seen Dead Poets Society more recently than I've seen Just One of the Guys. Just One so. of the Guys is one of the ones I was hoping that we would uh, select. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Uh, Joe, any final words for us today? I mean, I I really enjoy doing this. I I, I still have movies to mention. Oh, oh, that like, is my I mean, bad. That is my bad. We are bad. wrapping up. I don't want to go through these like All we've right. done. We've you know we're, All right. we're a good let's, two let's, hours. So you mentioned almost, a couple. So um, I have. So like some I mentioned things that would go in the realm of Dead Poet Society. So let's move on to another, like things that would go in the realm of say. Uh, just one of the guys or Angus, I would say like um, Encino Man, Dazed and Confused. Dazed and Confused was on my list. I don't see Encino Man as I get it because he's of student age, right? But it's all about a different perspective, right? Was it about him fitting in with the kids at school? Yes. Okay, so that that would it was qualify. about with helping the people that found him fit in. And okay. find their relation because okay. they're making it harder than it was. Yeah. Yes, you, you got to look deeper than the surface level. We'll call that one a stretch, but I—it's I, not a stretch. Watch it you. again. I hear you. You know, watch Wasn't it, it as Man an adult. On our list last week. No, I mentioned it because of Paula Shore oh, and right. because I love Brent, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, but I also had uh, the movie Election on there. 
another which Matthew I have not Brod- seen. I definitely need to see that. What? More and more people. So okay. I worked so at the theater Matthew when it came Broderick. out. I saw it as a Reese Witherspoon chick Reese movie. Witherspoon, I had yeah. no idea. No, dude. I had no idea. Is, I'm aware is, now. This but... is up there with the danger slice of Alter Boys. Yeah. Like, because it's showing you the dirty underbelly mm-hmm. of everything going on. You know, which, I mean, with honors would kind of fit that too. Um, I also had, and this would go more with uh, PCU or Angus, even with Ferris Bueller, I guess. Uh, Ski School, Dazed and Confused, Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, I didn't. Fast times in at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. Fast times at Ridgemont High. Oh, of course. Like that I, was I, I toyed one of the one. first ones I thought. <clears throat> I of, definitely but, toyed with that one. I mean, it's so quintessential. It's basically dazed and confused. Is the new? I like watching. Know, they used to come in a DVD double pack, but dazed and confused and, and fast times yeah. are are definitely brethren. Yeah. There's just more stoners there's, in Days there's and Confused. There's no than there reason are in, to not watch those as a marathon. No, and Revenge of the Nerds, mm-hmm. just amazing. How many, more you, how many more you got? Ski School. I already Ski mentioned school, you that. Didn't mention yeah. that one. I threw that one in already. I mean, that's it. I mean, so there the ones are that, more that I've deleted even. Oh, of the course. Breakfast of Club, course. Pretty Pink, all of them Rat, Brat Pack movies, yep. you know. Um, ones that I had on my list, I, I definitely had Dazing and Fused. When I had mentioned that there were two that I thought would be talked about, I'm, I'm really glad that this one didn't make the list uh, just because we kind of hit the tone already, um, and it's probably one of those quintessentials, and that's Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Um, Van Wilder, I opted out of. I almost PCU. put that on there, too. You know, when it's like but, Animal House, But Van, Van Wilder, Wilder is PCU. basically but I, trying to be PCU, but fitting the next generation. Next generation. And, and, and I PCU think PCU was trying to be Animal but House. But I think at so. this point now, it's been so long, and, and because of what Ryan Reynolds has done with his career, that that's probably been long forgotten yeah. by, by those who really yeah. weren't exposed to it. So I mean, and Cal I Penn to got that. his start on that, too. Uh, yes, he did. He spread, yes, he did, 100%. He spread, he spread he was some his, wings on that. He was his assistant. Uh, the one that I was really Taj, torn between that I Taj had mentioned. Taj Mahal, That's right. Uh, the one that I uh, was torn between because it was, uh, it really was uh, an influential film when it came out. Like it did make waves yeah. on its release, but maybe hasn't grown to age so well. And that was Cruel Intentions. Okay, um, yeah. I think that one is one that that can be ignored at this point for one reason, and I think it's it's a shame. I think it does still offer. It's it's definitely poppy. It's definitely drawn to the MTV crowd, but I think it was trying to make a statement. It was, and it, it, it I would put that right there with the Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys because it talks about like sexual pressure on young right. women. I and think there how was a genuine or maybe, moral there. Yeah. You know, regardless of the content, and yes. and like I said, it's probably pushed aside. You know, because of its hype popularity. Well, she was just and, a slut and a drug. Um, school ties, as you mentioned, and then I think the last one, which definitely got knocked out because of the superior film PCU, and that's accepted. Accepted was so good. Yeah, I love that movie. Again, that would like when we do like, like I, I didn't. I didn't put it with academia. We'll hit like, it. We'll hit it. I, yeah, I wasn't doing like comedy college movies. Like right. that's a whole another genre. Right. Like, like I, it we, came we, up. Like it, like we can't just do an episode about even, action movies. We're right. gonna do like twelve episodes about action movies because there's so many different types of action movies, genres, different spoofs, and fucking. It's too much to just say, what's your favorite action movie? So speaking of future uh, conversations. Do you have 
a suggestion for our topic next week. I do. And while I'm pulling that up on my phone, because I, I have a couple ideas. I so next week we are going to be um, taking a look wanna... at okay. uh, just one of the guys. Uh, Joe and I are going to give it a fresh look, uh, come back in and open our episode with discussing our viewing of that. And then we are going into a discussion of what, Joe? Well... I have a couple options here for you. Okay. But real quick, I want to shout out MIFA, Michigan Film Incentive Association. I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. You sure are. Make film business your business. M-I-F-I-A dot com. Go check. Is it dot com or dot org? Here, check out the Oh, uh, you got to turn shirt. around. Yeah, check you got to do the whole dance. Dot org. org. See, I knew I was wrong. Dot M-I-F-I-A dot O-R-G. Yeah. Go check them out. Become a member. So... I have four ideas here. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna give you two options. You get to pick. Uh, Okay, so here's your two choices. I got I got a couple here. First one: top five films about music that aren't musicals or a biopic. Okay. Top example: School of Rock. Because we mentioned that today, so obviously mm-hmm. the what the one I use as a quintessential. So no, can't no be true on the life list. stories, right? Can't be like the biopic. Okay, you know I don't want to hear Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't want to hear the Dirt. Great movies. Yeah, yeah they don't not, fit. They're biopics. Not here. Okay. Right. Well, when you say about music, music, but not a musical. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Uh, I I like that one. Okay. The other option was, was the five cult classics that against flopped due to being outshined by smash hits, like VHF, uh-huh. which you were like, I don't think that one would fit anyway. Okay, Evil Dead. Uh, well, don't don't list too many because we're going to come back to the topic. It's not a Evil Dead's not going to make. It's that not list a dead topic. Anyway. <laughs> it was also that's you know it's I a get dead it. topic. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah, so, that's what um, we're yeah about. so next week, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, our recommendations of movies that are about music, but not biopics or, or musicals. Musicals. Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you uh, have any suggestions of your own uh, for our topic this week of movies that are about or surrounding academia or students, there were a couple even uh, that I thought of that I didn't add to my discard list because I decided just not to talk about them. So there are definitely some films out there that we can still talk about. Uh, let us know. Um, in That's the meantime, why we're having this discussion. This there is are too open, many movies. This is we an open conversation. We want, uh, we want everybody to join in with us. So we will see you next time on the Unorthodox Film Podcast. Thank you, everybody. Keep popping them tabs.